Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, and uh, again, it's a privilege to be here tonight. Thankful for um, just the opportunity to be back. I've been here several times, and uh, I hope that every time uh, the Lord has given you something and blessed you in some way, uh, but uh, again, excited to be back tonight, and I hope it'll be a help uh, and a blessing to you this evening. Numbers chapter 13, again, thank you for the good place to stay and, and uh, for all that you've done. I appreciate it and, um, again, love this church, love coming here and uh, just excited about tonight. Uh, good to see Archie and Cindy. I love them. They are, uh, just what Tori said just a moment ago, they are real. They're the real deal. And uh, I, I'm not around a lot of singers. I don't get a chance to go off and hear a lot of musicians, but they are the real deal. And they have been uh, super, super kind to, to me and my family. And I just want to say publicly, I love you guys. And God is using them uh, all across um, our nation, uh, singing and preaching. Uh, not preaching, I, or Cindy may be preaching, I don't know. Singing and uh, <laughs> preaching the, the word of God. And, but I'm thankful to be able to see them and uh, also my, um, my dear, sweet, wonderful Aunt Jessie, um, whom I would not stand behind this pulpit if it were not for her. Uh, I have to say that, you know, um, but and my Uncle Larry and uh, good to see him. You know, it's funny, Mandy and I were looking, were looking at some uh, pictures yesterday on the Internet um, and I guess it was homecoming and all, you know, stuff going on. And, you know, every picture that we saw, man, we, the, 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 the ladies in the church was just, I mean, just loving on Uncle Larry. And uh, Mandy said, Mandy said, man, he's a, he's a ladies' man. I tell you, he's a ladies' man. I tell you. said, Justin Bieber ain't got nothing on him. He's a ladies' man. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I love them. And, um, but uh, so, so, um, so good to see them. Tonight, and it's good to have my our youth pastor Todd Weichel with us. And Todd recently graduated from Champion Baptist College, and and he's on staff at our church, and he um, was able to come, and I'm glad and thankful for that tonight. I have a message that I'm really burdened about, and uh, so burdened that um, the Lord um, will not let me preach another message. And I've I've tried, and I've uh, wanted to, and um, but God won't let me do it, and I. Um, I'm going to preach a message tonight that I'm burdened about with my own church, um, with my own people, uh, at my own place. And I preached this message last night at our church. And I don't know if uh, this church needs this message and God wants me to preach this message because um, uh, that somebody in this building or maybe your pastor, maybe the members here, or maybe I need to hear it again. But this message will not leave my heart. I was talking to Todd today about it, and I, and I kept saying, Todd, I, I want to preach a different message. I've got all these messages here, and I, and I can't find any peace, but I cannot get this out of my mind. And so God led me to this passage of Scripture for you tonight, and I pray that it will be a help and a blessing to you. My message tonight is on vision. Vision. Numbers chapter 13, a lot of Scripture here, but we won't take time to read all of it, so let's just pick up Scripture tonight in verse Number 25, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of all the children of Israel to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. 
brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and are very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Skip down with me to verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men went up with him and said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched in the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that is eaten up with inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Would you pray with me as we ask for the help of the Lord tonight for just a few moments? God, I know that I can't do this on my own, and I ask, Lord, for your help. Lord, these people are dear, sweet, good people. But God, for some reason, you've asked me and you've burdened me about this message tonight. And I pray, Lord, this evening that you would encourage our heart about this scripture. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, empty me of myself. God, may I not be seen, may I not be heard, but may you be seen and may you be heard. God, may this message ring on the ears and the hearts of every person in this building from this day forth. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Anybody who knows Scripture knows this story. You're well aware of the story here, the children of Israel. In fact, they have a great history in Scripture. Probably one of the stories in which define who they are and where they went and what God did in their life. Sadly to say, many of us as Christians are defined by one or two decisions in our lives that either make something good or make something bad of our lives. Here, this is no different. The first part of the scripture, we find the mystery of the whole story. You look at, look at Numbers chapter 13, look at, the, look at the Bible says in verse number 2. Verse number 1, the Bible said, The Lord came unto Moses and spake unto him and said unto him, look at verse 2, Send thou the men that may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. God told them, I give you the land, it's your land, it's nobody else's, it's your land. He said, I give you the land. And then we find later in the chapter, they are sending out spies to go search out the land that God already gave them. Now you tell me what the mystery about that is. God said it's yours, so why do you need to send spies to go see it? God's promised it already to you, so why do you have to go and question it? Isn't that like most Christians? 
Isn't that like we as Christians? God says, I'm going to give it to you. God's promised it. God said it. God's word. We, we, we know it's there. We know it's promised. But yet we still question it. We still complain about it. We still doubt it. But God says, I give it to you. And then we see the mission that the children of Israel went on. Look at the Bible says, Numbers chapter number 13, verse number 17. And Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said unto them, get you up in the southward and go to the mountain. And he said, I want you to see the land, verse number 18. See who dwells in it. Verse number 19, I said, I want you to see whether the land is good or not. See whether the land is going to be profitable and fertile for us to, to be there. So he sends them out on a mission. He said, I want you to go. I want you to search out the land. I want you to look at it. I want you to see what's there. I want you to see who's there and come back and give us a report. You remember the Bible says 12 of them went. Ten were bad and two were good. Then we have the message given by Moses. Look what he said in verse number 20. Halfway down the verse, he said, And be ye of good courage. Now understand that statement tonight. That is not my message, but that will be a theme throughout the message tonight. Because here's what Moses said. Moses said, I want you to go spy out the land. I want you, I'm going to send 12 of you, and I want you to go look at the land. I want you to see that it's good. I want you to see who's there. I want you to check the land out from top to bottom, and I want you to come back and tell me your report. But I want you to remember something as you go. Be of good courage. Don't forget this. You 12 men, don't forget what I'm telling you. You're going to go see this land, and I don't know what you may come across. I don't know what it may be, but listen to me. Do not get discouraged. Listen to me tonight. You may be on a venture and on a land and on a mission that God has called you on, and maybe he came by here. Maybe God sent me by here tonight just to say, listen, do not be discouraged. I think Moses had a little information about the land. He had a little information about what, what has happened. Anytime God sends us somewhere and God calls us somewhere, there will be obstacles, there will be problems, there will be valleys, there will be situations. And Moses readying them says, listen, be of good courage. And that's why we have we as pastors stand by the pulpit every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And that's why we call and, and write letters. Why? Because we want you to know that life is hard. Life is tough. There's circumstances. There's valleys. There's troubles. There's problems. But be of good courage. Don't get discouraged. Then we see here the moment in the children's of Israel history. Their moment, their one shining moment. Here's the story. They sent out these spies to the land. They go and they search out the land and they're coming back. Can you imagine? Can you catch the scene with me tonight? Maybe there's a platform set up and maybe the congregation of Israel have gathered around the, the, the audience, the, the platform here. Maybe they're gathered around everywhere and they're so excited to hear about this land and, and what, the, what they experienced in this land. And maybe they're gathered around and now they're coming on the land. They're coming on the platform and here are these 12 men. Moses said, okay, give us a report. And here's what they said. You're not going to believe what we saw. And in fact, not only you can believe what we saw, but we brought some of it back. And here, here, here it is. And they brought back fruit and vegetables. And they, and they brought it back. Can you imagine lifting it up and showing the, the crowds and, and the congregation of Israel, the children of Israel, as they lifted that up and they thought, 
Can you imagine living in a land where fruit and vegetables are so fertile such as that and there's no more barren land, there's no more wilderness, there's, there's no more bitter waters. Can you imagine a land? And then he says, and, and better yet, there's milk and honey flowing in that land. Can you, can you, can you see the eyes of the children of Israel begin to get big and say, wow. I can't wait. I can't wait to get that land. Boy, I'm so excited. Let's go to that land. But then we find verse 28. Nevertheless. In other words, they said, but. All that's well and good, but. Nevertheless, he said in verse 28. The people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and are very great. Their big moment in history. God has led them every step of the way. God has brought them here. God has brought them to allow them to make one decision that could change their life. And they said, but... One decision that can change your marriage. One decision that can change your home. One decision that can change this church. But they said, nevertheless, that's the reward. That's the fruit. That's what God said He'd give us. God would bless us that way. But listen to me. You don't understand what else is there. Can I tell you tonight, and I'm sorry to have to say this, but this was a failed attempt by the children of Israel. This is not a happy story that I'm preaching to you tonight. This is not a Bible story that we sit around the kids and say, this is exciting and this is wonderful for us to tell you about. No, no, this is a failed attempt. And God says, this is what I've given you. This is the blessing. This is the reward. And you can have it if you make a right choice. And they said, nevertheless. I believe tonight that everybody in this room has a Canaan. I don't believe uh, I, I, I don't believe tonight that the symbolism is, is is having to do with heaven. I don't believe tonight the symbolism has anything to do other than than what we understand as our Canaan, God's best, God's reward for the people who make the right choices in their life. But listen to me. This church has a Canaan, brother Tory. This church has a Canaan. Your marriage has a Canaan. Your home has a Canaan. Your life has a Canaan. Everybody in this room has a Canaan for your life. And can I tell you something? You are one decision away from your Canaan. You are one decision from being where God wants you in your life. But you're also one decision away from going the other direction. Why did this fail? Why in the world did this fail? Why, why did they get to this point and all of a sudden it failed and they could go no further? Why did it fail? Let me give you a few things quickly and I'm done tonight. One main thing, but I think we can find uh, some reasoning here with the Scripture. Now, notice with me, number one, about this, the reason why they failed. I believe we can see a heavy amount of fear. I believe we see a huge amount of fear. Look what the Bible says, if you would, in verse number 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. They were afraid. 
Now, before we criticize and before we look at them and say, oh boy, they shouldn't be afraid. What a bunch of sissies they are. What a bunch of scaredy cats they are. Understand tonight, if you and I were looking face to face at a giant who may stand seven foot, eight foot, nine foot tall and someone muscular much like I am tonight, uh, you would probably say, oh my goodness, I'm scared. Thank you, Uncle Larry, for uh, helping my muscular. They were scared. Uh, throughout this scripture, you'll find mention uh, here in the last few verses, giants and strong and, and, and walled. And, and you'll find the references mentioned over and over and over and over again. Can I tell you something in the line? Uh, what the devil will do most to, to Christians in this building will make you afraid. He'll get you scared. And you know what fear will do? Fear will cripple the believer like nothing else. I mean, it'll cripple you You'll be crippled. You won't be able to do nothing. You won't want to go to church. You don't want to leave your house. You don't want to do anything because you're scared. The devil will cripple you. And he, God sent, Moses sent 12 men to go search out the land. And instead of seeing all the blessings, they came back and said, Oh my, they're so strong. They're so big. They're so mighty. They got so many walls. We're scared. Instead of getting God's best for their life, instead of reaching what God wanted them to do, instead of reaching the potential for the children of Israel, they limited themselves because they were scared. They were scared. I'll be honest with you. I believe, I believe we've raised a denomination, a group of people in this thing of being scared. I grew, I grew up that way. Scared of what somebody's going to say. Oh, you're fearful of what somebody's going to say about you. That's nowhere in Scripture, friend. Oh, I'm scared of what the pastor's going to say down the street. Who cares? Scares what church members going to say. Scared of what somebody's going to say about how you raise your family, about how you handle your marriage. Hey, listen to me. Fear will cripple you. Brother Tory, fear will cripple this church. If you have a pastor that's scared and afraid to preach the Word of God, it'll cripple this congregation. I'm talking about fear of others, fear of the opinion of others, fear of failing. I'm talking about uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should fear those things. In fact, the Bible says, don't fear man, don't fear things, don't fear anything in this life. If you're going to fear anything, fear God. Solomon said that. Brother John, I want the best for this church. Brother John, uh, uh, Brother Tory, I, I, I want God's best. I, I want to see God do something great. I want to see God something do something beyond our imagined, uh, before, before, no matter what you can imagine, I'm the unthinkable. Listen, it ain't going to happen when we're scared. They were fearful. And they allowed that to control them. Can I tell you, Pleasant View Baptist Church will fail if you allow fear to manipulate your decisions in this church. You will fail if you allow fear to manipulate your decisions in this church. And there is a Canaan for Pleasant View Baptist Church. And there is a Canaan for your individual life. And there is a Canaan for your marriage. There is a Canaan for your family. And if you allow fear in your life, it will cripple you and limit you from God's best. Why did they fail? Why would this a failed attempt? Why did they not go in the land that God has given them already? I believe fear had something to do with it. Number two, maybe this had something to do with it. Maybe we see the apparent forgetfulness in their life. 
The Bible says, look what the Bible says. These men, these, these ten men gave their report. And then Caleb stood up. Look what he said in verse number 31. Verse number 30, excuse me. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Let us go up at once. Now, uh, bear with me for just a moment. Bear with me for just a moment. Maybe Caleb said something like this. These these ten men gave negative report. Maybe Caleb said, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible says he stilled the people. You know what that means? He said, shut up. I mean, just stop talking. Y'all ran your yappers long enough. Now listen to me. And he said, maybe he said something like this. You guys, you guys remember just a few years ago? Maybe he said something like this. Hey, hey, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You remember when we were slaves? Maybe he said something like this. Do you remember when we were standing in front of a big sea and we had a, a big army behind us wanting to kill us and we had nowhere to go? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember that cloud that out of nowhere just showed us where to go? And that sun and that, that, that fiery sun, do you remember, do you remember, do you remember how, how God fed us and, and kept us close? Do you remember all those things? Maybe Caleb said, hey, listen to me, stop, be quiet. Don't forget. I believe that little phrase, let us go up at once, means he's done already so much. He's given us already so much. He's provided already so much. Why would we even hesitate to move forward? Pleasant View Baptist Church. Why would you hesitate to get to Canaan? Why would you even think about it? Why would we even contemplate whether to do it or not, Brother Tory? You know why? Because God's been faithful for many years. God's been faithful before you around. God's been faithful before you around. God's been faithful before you've been around. And He'll be faithful long after we're all gone. He's been faithful. He will be faithful. Don't hesitate. Let's go up at once. I think, God, I think great things are in store for this church. I think great things are in store for your family. But if you hesitate and if you wait, the devil will seize that and you'll begin to forget. Let us go up at once. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. I was a senior in college. I was a senior in college taking my final exams, ready to get out of there. Cindy Ayers called me into the office. If you're a Stevens, that's never good. <clears throat> but, I, but I'd like to say, Tori's been there a lot more than me. <clears throat> Maybe I shake that bush a little bit longer. <laughs> I, was, I was called in the financial office. A week of exams, and she said, I don't want to tell you this, but I have to. $600 short on your school bill, you can't take your exams. It's on a Friday. She said, this is Friday. She said, by Monday, if you don't have you can't take the first exam Monday, and you can't walk on Friday. 
Now, I'm not the smartest, you know, person in the family. Well, pretty close, but um, <laughs> I love coming here. You know, I just love <laughs> I I wasn't smart, but I figured, boy, I got to do something. I got to figure out something, $600. Hey, mom and dad, they're in the ministry. I ain't got no money. I ain't got, I mean, I ain't got nobody to call. My roommate was from Louisville, Kentucky, old country boy. Got to the, my, my, my room college, and I said, I spent four years of my life here. I, I want to go preach. I want to go do what God wants me to do. Now I can't finish. I, 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 just, I got I, nothing I can do about it. I ain't got $600. Louisville, Kentucky boys, now youth pastor at a, one of the largest churches in Knoxville, Tennessee, looked at me and said, well, let's pray. Let's pray. I was a senior. He's a sophomore. He said, let's pray. We nailed down beside those bunk beds. I didn't pray, but he prayed. And this is what he said. God, you've done it for me. Do it for John. You've done it for me. Do it for John. I forgot all about it. I did my bus ride on Sunday, went to church Monday morning. I'm talking about, I I had drama class through high school. I worked up the best kind of speech and spill faces and everything I could take to Miss Cindy and say, oh, Miss Cindy... No, I, I mean, I, I worked on tears. I'd done everything I could. I was walking into that office that morning to give everything I had to tell her she was so sorry to make me know. No, I, I, I walked into that office to try to give some kind of sob story. And I walked in and she said, hey, John. I said, hey, Miss Cindy. I said, I just want to come by and talk about this bill thing. And she said, what bill? I said, $600 bill you talked about and you ruined my weekend woman Friday and she said you didn't, you didn't get that paper I said no what paper and she went over to her, her desk she fumbled through some papers and she pulled it over and she said here and on it said balance at the top $600 on the bottom it said zero you know a few years ago my wife and I sat in our kitchen table and we was wringing our hands because it was Christmas time and we just paid the bills and we didn't have hardly any money we was living in Stanfield, North Carolina hardly didn't have any money my wife's crying she's always crying no, my, my wife's crying she's married to me somebody we were talking about Sunday school class. Somebody, somebody said in Sunday school class, uh, Sunday was talking about marriages and families and stuff. They said, you've got to understand your wife. I said, well, goodness gracious, we'll be here all afternoon and evening for that. But, but uh, she's crying. We're sitting there. Said, what are we going to do? We, gotta, we could just send off money to pay the bills. Oh, we got just minimal dollars, a few dollars in the bank. And we got four days before Christmas. <clears throat> and I, I just happened to think, I remember when I was 21 years old, the God who created the universe came by my way that night. He said, I've done it before. Have you forgotten? The next day, I went to the mailbox 
Tori, you know this couple from my brother's church, Ted and Agnes. I think they've been here before. There's a FedEx envelope about that big, small envelope. Went to the mailbox, saw Ted and Agnes Lewis, and I thought, what in the world? Is... I, the first thing I was going to do was throw it away. They're going to send me some church portrait picture, and I don't want to see them. I mean, just, you know, I opened it up, opened it up. It was uh, a piece of paper folded over, and on that piece of paper was a sticky note, just a sticky note, and it said this, God put you on our heart. Open it up. And there were 2,000 dollars worth of cash sitting in that envelope. Yeah, you're talking about hallelujah. Two thousand dollars? God says, don't hesitate. Let's go up at once. I believe God's given you a pastor. I believe God's given him a vision. Don't hesitate. Let's go up at once. Let's go up at once. You know why? Because God's done it before. And he'll do it again. I think there was an amount of fear in their life. I think there was a, a apparent forgetfulness. Let me say third of all quickly. I think there was an absence of fight in them. That same verse that Caleb said to them, let's go up at once. You know what he said? For we are well able to overcome it. We're well able to overcome it. You know what he's saying? He said, listen, I may be, I may be a small joker. I, I, I eat my vegetables, and I, I, eat my, I eat everything mom puts on my table, and I may not have a lot of bone to me, but if God tells me it's mine, ain't no giant going to stand in my way. There, there ain't no person, there's no thing, there's nothing on this earth greater and bigger than the God that lives inside of you. They were scared of fighting. Hey, listen. I believe we don't need, I'm not talking tonight about the church that's militant and mean and nasty and ornery. I'm not talking about people that, that bring reproach to the name of Christ about fighting. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fighting for what God says is already yours. Listen, you may have came in tonight discouraged. Don't quit. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Brother Tory. I love you. You know I love you. May, I don't know if he's discouraged or not. I don't know if he's discouraged what's going on, but keep fighting. Keep going on. Just keep plugging on. Keep plugging on. Keep plugging on. As that old hymn writer said, Oh, my brother, are you weary of the roughness of the way? Uh, he, but he said in the chorus, Farther on, still go farther. Farther on, still go farther. Caleb said, I don't know about you ten people, and I don't know about the congregation, but God's told me it's mine, and there's fruit, and there's milk, and there's honey, and that's God's best, and ain't nobody going to stand in my way. Let's go fight. Let's keep going. Maybe God sent me by here tonight to say, don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on the church. Don't quit on the vision that God's placed on this, in this building and, and this, this congregation. Don't quit. Keep fighting. But tonight, I believe all three of those things 
could have been very easily the reason why they failed, but I don't believe it was. Can you give me five more minutes and I'm done? Here's the reason why they failed. Because of their accepted focus. Because of their focus. Notice with me, if you would, the last verse of the chapter. Look at verse 33. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. And there we saw the giants. Uh, You only find fruit and milk and honey mentioned one time. But you know what they saw? They saw giants. Helen Keller said the greatest tragedy of a person's life is to have sight but have no vision. Can I tell you something? There were 12 people that went to the same land and saw the same fruit and looked at the same giant and dwelt in the same land for 40 days. The 12 people lived and did the same thing for 40 days. 10 came back and saw something totally different than 2 saw. Whoever's here tonight, can I tell you something? You may be looking at the same thing that your pastor is, but you may not be seeing the same thing. Their failure was because they had the wrong vision. They were focused on the wrong thing. You say, Brother John, that's the pastor's job. That's his job to have vision. He's supposed to have vision. He's supposed to create vision. He's supposed to live out a vision. And that is correct. It is his job to have vision. But nobody ever conquered Canaan alone. Hello. Well, that's his job. Nobody ever conquered Canaan alone. I preached this at my church last night, so it's not something against y'all. They lost focus. They were looking at the giants. Caleb was looking at the God who's already defeated giants. In 1845, an old Southern Baptist church in Augusta, Georgia, started what we know now as the Southern Baptist Convention. It was organized in 1845. The placard on the church then was made, and it reads this. For men who see the invisible, who hear the inaudible, who believe the incredible, and who think the unthinkable. Would to God that we'd have some men and some women who would see what others can't see and who would hear what others can't hear and believe what others choose not to believe and think what nobody will ever think and say, I'm just going to keep focus on my God. Listen, I don't know where this church is at. I can say this, Brother Tory. Well, that building right over there is awesome. That is wonderful. I mean, that's, that's amazing. 
and to see what God's doing in the excitement here. Can I tell you something tonight? This church can fail tomorrow if you get your sight off of God. If you keep your focus on the giants, on the obstacles, uh, think about this with me. Those 12 people went up in that land and they came back in the congregation there. They showed them that fruit. They talked about that milk and honey. Think about their eyes watering. I mean, think about their eyes getting real big, their mouth watering. And they say, wow, let's go. And Caleb said, let's go up at once. But then they begin to describe those giants in those great walled cities. And it's scary. And I want to tell you something tonight, church. There will be some obstacles in your way. Brother Archie, am I telling the truth about Victory Baptist Church in Bryson City? Am I telling the truth? Hey, it's not a bed of roses. There, there's mountains, there's giants, there's obstacles, there's opposition. I'm not telling you something, folks, that I haven't experienced. But for every opposition, for every obstacle in your life, I serve a God who's way bigger. Much bigger. Way bigger. And I don't know what your Canaan is tonight. And maybe this message is just for the church as a whole. Maybe this message is just for me. Maybe it was just for your marriage, for your home, for your individual life. I don't know what it is. But I'm saying, whatever the obstacle in your life, God's bigger. Close with this. My daughter, she's seven. My wife is pregnant. I think every time I come here, she's pregnant. <clears throat> That's another Stephen's trait. But, um, but uh, <clears throat> she's seven, and everybody wants us to have another little girl. I'll tell you right up now, I can't handle another little girl. Boy, there's so much, so much drama going on up in my house. I only got two girls. And I got a little dog as a girl. I'm going to kick her in the tail sometimes. <laughs> but uh, my little girl, she, uh, she came home from school one time complaining about her eyes hurting. And uh, we, we didn't think nothing about it, you know, just whatever. You know, kind of like my dad used to tell us, said, your eyes hurt. I mean, Everybody, every kid in the world, drives. I mean, it don't matter, nothing to you. We can't take you to the store and get glasses. They're too expensive, you know. So he'd go down to Walmart, buy them some reading glasses. They don't help. They don't help, Dad. I mean, you know. But uh, she, she's hurting. So we take her to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor said, well, her eyesight seems to be okay, but maybe try these glasses on a little bit. So she tried these glasses on, and, you know, it helped a little bit. But then it got to the point where she didn't want to wear them no more and all that good stuff. And, and I'd have glasses sitting around, and my, my, my wife wears glasses. Who they have sitting around? And sometimes all of our kids, I'd see them pick up our glasses. You know what the first thing they want to do? They want to put them on. Now, my, my grandpa used, used to say something like this. Don't you put those glasses on because they're going to make you, what, go Blind, cross-eyed, look like a dumb. Well, I'm a Stevens. I already look dumb. <laughs> well, you got Stevens and Easler. You got it both bad. <laughs> <laughs>
They're going to make you go blind. My kids, I'd love to watch them put that thing on and they go, I wonder if tonight as I close, I wonder if, if maybe you can look through <clears throat> the spiritual lenses that God would have for you. I want you to just take a moment and, and I want you to look through those lenses and, and put them on for a second. <laughs> See your Canaan. God's best for my life. I know this church is great, but Tori, put, put, put those spiritual ends on and say, look at Pleasant View Baptist Church. Look at Eden, North Carolina. Wow. I want you to look at, at the lens through those spiritual lenses on and look at your marriage. Wow. Do you know what happens when you put those lenses on? All you see is God. Hebrews author had it right when he says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Tonight, I'm not asking you if you sing the songs about heaven. I'm not asking you to sing the songs about Whatever, I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm not asking if you're faithful. I'm not asking if you tithe or give. I'm asking you tonight, what do you see? It has nothing to do with the budget report. It has nothing to do with the capacity of your building. It has nothing to do with your parking spaces. It has nothing to do with the limitations that you're thinking about right now. Here's what it has to do with. How big a God do you have? How big is your God? What do you see? Whatever it is that God has for your Canaan, keep your eyes on it.